Our scripture lesson this morning, continuing in this Gratitude Path series, is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Listen carefully now for God's word to God's people gathered here on this gorgeous day. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Last Sunday, we began this latest adventure by placing our feet and hopefully our hearts on the gratitude path, a path that leads to generosity, not some of the time, but all of the time. And the way to get started, by just remembering to say thank you. We shared that story last week from Luke chapter 17, the story of the 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus and only one bothered to return and say thank you. Only one, a foreigner, a Samaritan, an outsider, returning to say thanks. Were the other nine grateful? I don't know. I don't know. But gratitude, I believe, unless it is expressed, is not gratitude at all. It's kind of like love. Turn our thoughts now to some reflections on today's scripture lesson, a passage taken from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, especially verse 16. Give thanks in all circumstances. In every circumstance? Seriously? For all things? Most of us want to tamper with Paul's words here in this proclamation, don't we? Want to change them up just a little bit. It seems like so much. Perhaps we wish Paul to say, in some circumstances, or for some things, but all things? That would be more acceptable when it's some things. Not all things, some things. That'd be more practical. And we love to live in a world of practical realities, don't we? We like logic and and reason, and it would make a lot more sense to say, in some circumstances. To quote one scholar, Paul's talking about Paul's words, said that has to be one of the most adventurous voyages of thought ever embarked on the rough waters of reason. And logically, it seems destined for shipwreck. Paul certainly does not qualify the circumstances. He means all. Has Paul asked the church to do the impossible? Can someone face a fresh set of abuse or oppression or difficulty or pain every day and give thanks? Can a person rise above the physical and psychological scars of an abusive and difficult childhood and give thanks? Give thanks in Everything? Let me continue this line of thought now and refer to a book that, um, and a journal that Mickey referred to a moment ago, the Simple Abundance Journal of Gratitude. It's a companion piece to a book called Simple Abundance. They were both by Sarah Van Brethnock. And in the introduction to the journal, 
She has some words to say about giving thanks in all circumstances, some words that, that helped me a little bit. Maybe they'll help you as well. Perhaps you've read them recently. She said, gratitude holds us together when everything else is falling apart. Ironically, gratitude's most powerful mysteries are often revealed when we are struggling in the midst of personal turmoil. Difficult times, when we stumble, she said, in the darkness, when we rage in anger, when we hurl faith across the room, when we let our anger get the best of us, when we abandon all hope, while we cry ourselves to sleep, gratitude waits patiently to console us and to reassure us. Gratitude waits patiently to show us a larger landscape. It's easy to be grateful, she said, when life hums, when the money's good, when the bills are paid, when the romance is divine and you're healthy. But how about when the bills don't get paid? How about when he doesn't love you back or she doesn't return your call or you're reeling from a devastating diagnosis? Thank you, usually isn't the first phrase that comes to mind. We don't feel grateful, she said, when our hearts are broken and our dreams are dashed. However, it has been my experience, she writes, that it doesn't really matter how we feel. What matters is that we just do it. The Bible instructs us to give thanks in all circumstances, but it doesn't tell us that we have to be smiling while we do it. In fact, I suspect that the thank yous offered in the depths of despair are the most treasured because they are priceless tokens of trust, especially when trusting in God is the last thing in this world we want to do. The Gratitude Path is the book that we've chosen to back up or to guide us in this series throughout this Gratitude Stewardship Campaign. And we started last Sunday. Kent Millard wrote the book, and he begins his second chapter by describing the loss of his wife to pancreatic cancer. Her name was Minietta, and they had been married for 48 years. And after her loss, he was devastated and kept thinking it shouldn't have happened. She exercised. She ate well. She was a woman of faith. They had already begun to plan for their 50th anniversary. They were going on a cruise. One day while Millard was writing in his journal about his resentment, a phrase came to mind. He said over and over again, accept what you cannot change. And then he remembers being able to say out loud, I accept her death. Another day during his devotional time, he read Paul's words that we focused on today, give thanks in all circumstances. He recognized that Paul did not say Give thanks for all circumstances. Big difference. But in the midst of every circumstance, every situation we face, learn to say thanks. He was not thankful that he had lost his wife. But he realized there was so much more to be thankful for in the midst of her death. So he began to write down all the things he was thankful for, even as he continued to mourn her loss. He was thankful for her deep faith. 
He was thankful that God had brought her into his life in the first place, an incredible life partner. He was grateful for the gift of eternal life. And he was grateful for the church, for the community of faith that surrounded her and surrounded him as they walked together through the valley of the shadow of death. In his words, it's easy to give thanks to God when everything's going well. When our families are happy and healthy, when we enjoy our work, when our congregations and our businesses are growing in faith and in outreach, it's not hard to give thanks to God. It's pretty easy. However, the real test of the depth of our faith is whether or not we can give thanks to God in the midst of despair, tragedy, suffering, challenges, and death. In the midst of the most painful loss I have ever experienced, he said, I can testify that there is always something for which to give thanks. And to those words of his, I would add my words, or my word, amen. When I began to think and pray about this today, how much can you say about giving thanks in all circumstances? Something that doesn't come naturally, something that's not easy, something that's not logical. When I started thinking about it and praying about it, the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer came to mind, just sort of stuck there. Many of you know his story. Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany who became involved in a plot to destroy Adolf Hitler, and he was hanged by the Nazis in 1945, not long before the end of the war. Letters and Papers from Prison is an extraordinary, extensive collection of his writings from his cell from the time of his arrest until his death. And I have to stop and think, how can such eloquent thoughts be expressed in such dire circumstances? How does a human being do that? How can one give thanks from a prison cell, especially if one is confined there unjustly? There's precedent for this. Our scripture lesson for today was written by one, the Apostle Paul, who frequently found himself in the jailhouse time and time again. And some of his greatest writing happened in that place. December the 28th, 1944, Bonhoeffer was writing a letter, these words to his mother. He said, I'm so glad to have gotten permission to write you on your birthday. I have to write in some haste. The post is just going. All I really want to do is to help cheer you a little in the days that we have been apart. You must be feeling so bleak. Dear Mother, I want you to know that I'm constantly thinking of you and Father every day. That I thank God for all that you mean to me and to the whole family. I know you've always lived for us and you haven't had a chance to live a life of your own. That's why you're the only one with whom I can share all that I'm going through. Thank you for all the love that has come to me in this cell from the past year and has made every day easier for me. I think these hard years have brought us closer together, closer than we've ever been before. My wish for you and Father and Maria for all of us is that the new year may bring at least an occasional glimmer of hope, of light, that we may once more have the joy of being together. May God keep you both well. Thank you from one of the darkest chapters in human history. While I was thinking about that, I recall this incident, this story that Tony Campolo tells. 
He said after he had seen the movie Schindler's List, he was doing a radio program, and the subject was the persecution of the Jews. And he was reminding his audience of the Holocaust and the horrors that people endured and all the tragedies of that tragic era, the anti-Semitism that pervaded so much of Germany and elsewhere. And the day after the program aired, he got a call from a man who identified himself as a Holocaust survivor. He thanked Tony for his presentation. He told him that all the survivors of the Holocaust in the Philadelphia area, or many of them, gathered once a month and shared their stories and bonded together over and over again. He said they came together and they ate breakfast. And he invited Tony to join them for that next breakfast. And he said, of course, he jumped at the opportunity. And on the appropriate day, he met this man in the back room of a fire station near the Philadelphia airport. A simple breakfast had been prepared for about 20 men and women who sat down to affirm their bonds, to talk about their mutual suffering. And Tony asked one of the men, if he cringed every time he heard someone speak with a German accent, and whether or not his experience had made him into one who hated Germans. He explained, he said, I bear no hostility toward Germans. And then he said, I was just a boy when they loaded my father and me into boxcars on a train and shipped us off to the prison camp. We were squeezing that car together so tight we could hardly breathe. It was more than three days that we traveled on that train. It would stop sometime for hours and we'd sit there and we had no food and no water. And I remember crying because my stomach hurt. I was hungry. But twice during the night, it stops along the way to Auschwitz. People sneaked out of the surrounding woods. They came up to the boxcars. They brought us scraps of bread and cups of water. And they slid them through the slots in the boxcar. My gratitude for those kindnesses is still overwhelming. And every time I hear someone with a German accent, I think to myself, this could be the child or the grandchild of one of those folks who brought me bread and water in my hour of need. Thanks being given, gratitude being expressed. As someone has said, a sweet fragrance arising out of the septic tank of human cruelty and indecency. Some of the most soul-stirring poetry, some of the most powerful prose, some of the most beautiful music ever composed has been written in the dark, difficult times of life. I wonder how many of those poems, how many of those books, how much of that music was composed between midnight and sunrise. One of our hymns for today, we're going to sing it before we leave here. Now, thank we all our God. It was written during a time of great suffering. The composer was a German Lutheran pastor named Martin Rinkert. Rinkert was pastor to a Lutheran congregation in the walled city of Allenburg during the Thirty Years' War. Allenburg had become a refuge, a place where people came who had nowhere else to go, political and military fugitives, and it was crowded, it was overcrowded, and it was filled with pestilence and poverty and famine. Armies overran it, he said, three times during that period. And even though Rinkert had barely enough to provide for his own family back home, 
he kept opening his home and the church and everything he had to provide shelter and hope and help for people in need. 1637, there was a difficult, deadly plague, severe plague. And as the only surviving pastor in that city, Rinkard said that sometimes he had to conduct up to 50 funerals a day. I can't imagine 50 in a year. 50 a day. And his own wife was included in that number. And one might think that someone who had experienced so much pain and so much suffering and hurt and death would be upset with God or or angry with God or have a negative, terrible view of life. However, in the midst of a plague that killed thousands of people, even his wife, he wrote a powerful hymn of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. Now thank we all our God, heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices. Can we recall any times in our own lives when we were able to give thanks in different and difficult circumstances? Do you have any stories? Divorce, disease, disability, dismissal, discouragement, death. There was a time in my life when death had only come as close to me as a grandparent. And as sad as that is, I felt somewhat insulated and isolated and in a good way. But on May the 13th, 2001, Mother's Day, death came close enough to take my father. And I don't think my mother ever forgave him for leaving us on Mother's Day, but that's another story. And it was a while before I could give gratitude a thought. Sometimes we have to travel a little ways emotionally and spiritually before we reach a place where we can put our feet back on the gratitude path again. But we can do that. And I was able to do that later to give thanks every chance I got for a while for all the things my dad had given me and done for me and taught me and left me up to and including my warped sense of humor. Bill Robinson, not the Mr. Bojangles Bill Robinson that you may know about, but this Bill Robinson demonstrated for my benefit concepts, concepts like integrity and faithfulness and service. And I'll be ever grateful for him all of my days. So is the gratitude path something we can step on and off of on any given day? Sometimes the terrain becomes extremely ragged and rugged, but only by consciously trying to keep our feet on the gratitude path do we move in the right direction. Do we move toward that generosity of life, life abundant and life eternal? The longer we walk this path, the more woe is me becomes a distant memory. The longer we walk this path, as a church family, as families, as individuals, and count our blessings and come to experience the joy of life in Christ. And we'll never know that without gratitude. Give thanks, Paul wrote, in all circumstances. Is there any part of all that we don't understand? Amen.